All right, there we go. Here we go. We are back, guys. Welcome to Rankable Episode 50. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive at iPool Rank. And damn, I can't believe we're at Episode 50, man. So shout out to Rankable. Shout out to us, man. 50 weeks of doing this. 50 weeks of preparation. 50 weeks of having great conversation. Um, man, we thank everybody for your support, man. So as usual, I've got the best co-host in the game, the man gen manager, Gary Sussman. And we have Yo. a very... My man, <laughs> and we have a very special topic for you guys: honest marketing. So we're gonna go through what honest marketing is. Um, you know how to take some of the BS out of marketing messaging, how to better connect with your customer. And we have a special guest today that's gonna walk us through some of these things and and give us some insight. So he has over 15 years of experience in the digital marketing industry. He helps brands grow through digital marketing, specializing in crafting content that educates and converts tomorrow's customers. So he's worked with brands such as AOL, Infusionsoft, Offerpad, and currently works for a communication software giant Nextiva. So I'd like to introduce our good friend, Joe Manor. How are you, brother? Awesome. I love it. Man, that's a fantastic intro. So thank you so much. I'm doing great. Yeah, right, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. We're, we're excited to have you here. So for all those um just tuning in, we just wanted to go back to the to the main topic of the discussion today, which is going to be honest marketing. So you're probably thinking, what the heck is honest marketing? Right? So <laughs> essentially what it is, guys, it's just authentic marketing, right? It's a way for you to share uh, what you do to those who value it the most, right? So connected with your customers, the most aligned with your values, who need your product is what honest marketing is all about, right? Not putting up, you know, things that are, you know, culturally correct or just because it's, you know, you're following the wave. It's being who you are and connecting with your core audience base. And that's what we want to talk about today. What are some of the pros and cons? So let's, let's start it off from there, guys. I would love to hear your thoughts on, on it, Joe. Like, what do you consider honest marketing? And what do you what do you think are some of the benefits of doing honest yeah. marketing? Yeah, so basically, if I was going to sum it up in one sentence, right, you know, honest marketing really comes down to, you know, marketing and describing your product or service without selling your soul. Right. And a lot of marketers, mm. you know, they get into this gig, you know, they they, they have, you know, a, a demanding boss or demanding leader, you know, that says, hey, we got to We got to get these leads. You know, we have a number to hit. We got to get it any way possible. Um, and what that forces, you know, what these high you know, metrics, high numbers result in is people doing unnatural acts to get it right. Yeah. And the SEO industry, by and large, is not not a stranger to that. Right. You know, sometimes Google rewards handsomely for bad behavior. Now, lately, they're cracking down. Obviously, they have been, um, yeah. you know, but but overall, in a broader sense, you know, honest marketing is being really clear about about the value you provide people being transparent about it um, and not pulling any punches when it comes to, you know, uh, areas that you can improve in and being humble and direct with your customers. That's, you, you, you're bringing in the heat. Just starting off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you just lift a fuse and I just see it going. I'm like, oh, man, I'm excited. <laughs> it's interesting too, Joe, too, right? Because like you have you – have, it's more than just like – what the rules are like you know you look at like the healthcare industry and and like you have you know where there's actually laws against you know not claiming results that are not actually real and that breaks laws but then there's also like the ethical kind of perspective when it comes to marketing so like as a marketer how how do you how do you approach that and kind of establish what your own sort of like honesty and authenticity is yeah, I think it, it, it. Okay, so what guides as you know, really great marketing, you know, in terms of, you know, the uh, user experience, right? And in terms of being ethical and honest, you know, it should not be a body of laws, right? From from a from a government or an industry it has to be within, 
like yourself, right? You have to you have to establish your own true values and core values and l actually live by them, right? And then and, and actually be able to compare and sort of assess, you know, hey, did, you know, is our message, are our activities living up to these values that we set for ourselves? If you can't live up to yourself, then there's no way that your customers will see that you will live up you know, live up to your promises, right? You know, I think pharmaceuticals is a lot different because there's a, you know, there's a, a lot of laws, are, you know, mandating all that. And sometimes it's, it's too much. Um, but I, uh, but I think like marketers, most people, uh, you know, listening to this podcast should not really be, you know, taking cues from Pfizer, you know, <laughs> in terms of, you know, you know, how far they should, you know, market themselves or position themselves, right? You know, they should really be setting, you know, look at how they buy products themselves, how you buy products yourselves. Yeah. And yes, this even includes B2B buyers because B2B buyers are like, well, that's not B2C. You know, we, we sell to other businesses. No, you're still selling to people. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to beat that cliche to death. But I mean, the yeah. whole point is you have to really think about the way you evaluate buying decisions and be able to act on that right and be able to, to take out you know because you hate people hate being tricked people hate being yeah. deceived they hate wasting time they hate going you know all the way through a very long sales process then you finally get to quoting and a proposal this and that but all to find out that you know it just wasn't a good fit to begin with right and yeah. then and then that makes the next vendor the next company that they do business with the next product you know that that's a huge hurdle to sort of level up from, right? You know, yeah. in terms, and that's why there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of, um, you know, sort of skepticism in general in marketing, and it continues to increase. Absolutely, and and that that's why cutting through the no, noise is so much so important, right? Because I think you hit you hit it. We talk about this a lot too, Joe. Like we talk about frictionless sales, right? So for me, being on the sales side, right, you don't want to go through the proposal, you don't want to go through the quote, and plus, there's so many different touch points nowadays that I can reach you and interact with you in an organic manner where it doesn't feel like a sale. Right. Yeah. And then another thing that you touched on, I think was really important. Most brands, I think this is why they fail. I think most brands don't recognize that they have a brand personality. Yeah. And that's that's the whether you're pharmaceutical, whether you're B2B, B2C, whatever the case may be, like just the why is there a lack of creativity for these brands? Right. Like, for instance, if you say pharmaceutical, right, it would be really funny if Viagra did some funny shit. Right. <laughs> right? I know. Right. Like, like, it shouldn't be hard to get hard or something. I'm just throwing it out there. But just something like that. <laughs> well, it, you know, the, it, the thing about that is like that fine print about, you know, uh, an erection might last for four hours or longer. <laughs> that was its selling point. That, that made it, wow. You know, that, that that was proof right there. It doesn't get any better than that. Right. Uh, you know, where, you know, in a, in a world of gimmicks and everything else, you know. So, uh, but I, I hear what you mean in that, you know, like, you know, basically like you have to be able to you know, set your own, you know, standard and live up to it and live it through. Right. You know, you can't yeah. just, you know, hide behind a wall of fine print for it. Exactly. And, and a big a big part of that. Right, Joe, is like marketing jargon is almost a problem at this mm -hmm. point. And, and you're a copywriter. So it's like, sure. how do you deal with that kind of when you are forming the way that you're going to represent the brand? How do you fight? How do you fight the internal marketing jargon right. voice in your head? Honestly, like so when it comes to like distilling that down. And really creating copy, right? You know, I sort of take like a, a creative brief, sort of speak, you know, like where I know what the product is, and I really distill it down into the buyers as if I was looking for that service, right? And and I always have to assume, like most businesses, most brands, when they talk about their products and services, they're they're the ones most interested in it. You have to yeah. talk to someone who's not interested in it, mm -hmm. and be able to you know shift them from 
you know, having really minimal awareness, minimal stake in the game to really, you know, developing that, right? And, and moving them to the next step. It's not going to be all in one shot. So what I mean by that, like in terms of like what how brands can do that really well and improve their clarity is to yeah. really intentionally avoid technical terms. Save the technical terms and the data sheets and the jargon later on as as they are, you know, deeper into the sort of the consideration phase, right? As they are really deeply considering and they're exploring, you know, what does the onboarding look like? You know, and they start asking that, right? And they start volunteering that. Uh, but what, what I see a lot of companies doing is that they just throw it, you know, literally, if, if you're writing acronyms a lot, that's, that's already a red flag. <laughs> if you're writing acronyms in your copy, you definitely want to uh, think about why are you doing it? Now, there is a good reason for it. You know, if you are an ABM technology company, Mm -hmm. Right. And those are your specific buyers and they ABM is conditioned in the buyer's mind already. You are already excluding the people who don't get it. And that could be a use that could be a valid reason um, for that. But just don't be surprised when you say ABM and, you know, SDR and XDR and all these other you know phrases. But you're trying to sell to a classic small business where those terms don't resonate with them. So it's all about what is relevant and, you know, and what resonates with you, you know, with the audience. Right. Because it's not like they're trying to buy like Android built monuments. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very popular. But in the ABM world, Android built monuments, you have to know. No. Talking about account based marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, so, was, that was a really great point, too, that, that you said, too, Joe, because like what's the what's the end goal of marketing? Right. The end goal of marketing is to identify a problem that you may have not known that you were even aware of and make me say, I want to pay attention to it. Right. So I would love to know what your guys thoughts are like how do how should we be judging these type of marketing campaigns right like is it are we judging marketing based off the brand awareness or are we judging off the actual result i had this conversation with a marketer the other day and i thought it was really intriguing and i would love to hear from you guys like so what are your takes on that yeah i mean i i, I hate to say the word it depends i know that comes up on every podcast. <laughs> no it no man, keep it real. you're keeping it real but but the, but the reality is you know like when it comes to you know the purpose of marketing is to alter someone's decision making, right? To yeah. to guide them towards the right decision. Hopefully, it's the right decision for them, and not just the right decision for you as a business, right? Mm -hmm. And the right decision for them is that you know people are always looking to do, uh, you know, get better at different roles in their life. You know, if it's like an IT person, right? They don't want to get you know an IT software that you know that's going to occupy an additional eight hours a day because they're already busy for eight hours a day they're looking for a solution to help them become a better person you know or a better you know employee so to speak right and if hopefully your solution can help make that happen and if it doesn't you know you have to you know, rethink that and and they're going to tell you that I mean they're going to ultimately at the end of the day I think where I I see sales falling apart is when when the expectations were kind of mismatched in terms of the value yes. a solution provides to like the, you know, to the reality, right. You know, the perception versus the reality. And I think that is incumbent on marketers to make sure that that is seamless all the way through um, and to be able to prove that and, you know, be able to demonstrate that. Yeah. But, and how to I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about your other thoughts on that. You want to go like, again? I, I think you make a great point. I mean, yeah. When you're thinking about, because I I I don't know you guys whether you're in sales or if you've been in support, being on the other side of a dishonest marketer is so painful. Like what you're yeah. saying about if the customer is like tricked 
and they get to the, you know, you oversold and underdelivered. Happen, you know, it can happen in the agency world too. Oh, yeah. Yes, you absolutely. have to you have to be on the same page where you're not putting a the product and b the people behind the product in a bad spot because that's not going to help in the long run. And if if your focus is revenue, then you're only going to have a short-term customer, especially like in in SaaS world, like you yeah. know, short-term customer who's going to realize it real quick and and then it's going to hurt the brand. Right. You Absolutely. know, if you spent a thousand dollars acquiring a customer and they're gone in two months and you have, you know, a hundred dollars a month in revenue, that's a very unprofitable customer acquisition campaign. Yeah. Right. And you have to really look at the, the you know, the big picture, you know, the, the overall customer value um, and make sure it proves that. And sometimes that means you have a lower number of of customers that you win, but if they stay on the books longer, you don't have to acquire as many customers, you know, as much as you need to. Exactly, exactly. And I think you hit, hit the nail on it. And it's the same thing with, with salespeople and just the misalignment with sales, right? The same thing, right? For, um, I know I'll go through this quote and I'll go through the, the point, but I saw this on Adweek. Bad advertising can alienate a portion of your current and future potential customer base. According to the publication, one third of all Americans will refuse to purchase a brand because of previous bad advertising campaigns, even if it was changed or removed from all media outlets. I thought oh, yeah. that was astonishing. Like, that's that's crazy. And, and what, what do you guys think? How, how does one or how does a brand measure the negative impacts that it may be happening from from um, let's say let's say a bad what's a what's a, a good campaign a bad campaign that went out from a big brand let's think of um was the Pepsi Kylie Jenner one from the Super Bowl back that, in the that, day that one was good I was thinking about what's the other one the um the clothing company with the um when they had the monkey shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm talking you guys know what I'm talking about too man it was a big I, brand ah. Uh... Oh, because it was like a culturally offensive, yes, like, it yes. like, was it, was it like, it was a fancy brand. Like, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to just throw brands yes, out there. It was, oh, wrong. it was like a Forever 21 or something. It was some big brand yeah. like that. Right. But, but essentially yeah. I would love to know what, like, how would they view the negative impact or how it had on the revenue and how would they know what marketing campaigns actually recovered? It? Right. I mean, I, I think the impact, I think for most people, um, you know, kind of listening here, like the real impact of, of, you know, that, you know, dishonest marketing, right. You know, or that, you know, you make a, a you know, a, you know, a, a failure, right. You step onto a landmine, you know, with your brain, you make a bad mistake and, and you don't address it right away. Yeah. What happens is indifference. People just walk away. They're not going to take the time to tell you no necessarily. They're just not going to purchase you or they're not going to purchase you again. Or later on, they will, you know, when it's time for an account renewal, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, they basically, I mean, they could call and cancel, you know, if that's the yeah. type of service that you're in. Um, but simply, it's just, it's, orders will just dry up, you know, it's, it's really indifference, you know, yeah. negative campaigns where, where consumers are protesting you and trying to protest you and, uh, you know, like do petitions and everything. That's almost a good sign because it shows that you had mm. their attention. Right. And brands, if they mess up and brands do mess up on occasion, <laughs> if you mess up, it's it's really what you do with it and how quick you respond and how forceful you respond and what kind of real action you provide. Yeah. Um, you know, and, it, you know, it's essentially like consumers are more tolerant of that, but they're more tolerant of the conversation for it. Mm. Like they're willing to hear. Yeah. But they don't necessarily like most consumers are not accepting, you know, that you make a donation to the you know, World Wildlife Fund and then call it done. You know, people and consumers and there's there's plenty of excellent research on this from, you know, like Edelman Trust Barometer. Right. Yeah. You know, continuing research shows that consumers care about brands 
and they will their money is directed towards brands that improve society and improves the the welfare of their workers right but it, but, um, but isn't that a slippery slope then because when, when we start talking when we get to the revenue and we know that hey you know people want to see or people want to spend their dollars with companies that values right. best represent them right so it's a very it's a it's an opportunity for brands to be disingenuous to meet a certain customer that's true right so i think i think so another idea to keep in mind is that consumers today are getting like most of these brands the majority mm -hmm. of consumers are are getting younger right yeah. and what that means is the level of trust that's needed goes higher and and to establish trust people have their uh, BS meter finely tuned to detect yeah. it, right? And they look at it well beyond the press release, well beyond the financial donation, you know, you know, well beyond, you know, however flashy, you know, a careers page is. It comes, it comes through, you know. Employees, you know, they look up other brands on Glassdoor. They look through yeah. the reviews. They look through the real comments, right? So people, you know, digital natives know know how to see through a lot of that, right? And yeah. I'm not saying older people don't. I'm just saying, statistically speaking, we're seeing that generation you know, 34 years old or younger um, definitely rate trust as a higher level of importance in their decision making process. So sure. because it's more important, people are attuned to look for it well beyond price itself, uh, you know, like for a product or service. But I think you're exactly right. You should not, you know, brands should not, you know, go through and just. Uh, you know, pander to an audience because they'll see through it, right? Absolutely. And it doesn't sustain itself. Ultimately, you know, what's the next campaign going to do? Like a company can't be built just on pandering. Like it has to be real, has to be honest. And I think that's what consumers are are ultimately looking for. And and it's interesting too because yeah. I almost feel like the brand tone can be tied, like the safety of it can be tied to the size of the organization because Absolutely. you do see a lot of success and authenticity with like unabashed polarized perspectives. Like I think about Basecamp and hey, when they yeah. came out with like how they address privacy as an email client versus Google Mail or how they address, you know, their their remote working policies. But then, you know, on the other side, you think about like Ben and Jerry who are like making a bet, you know, a stand, uh, uh, stake in the sand of, of like, you know, how they stand on Israel and how they stand on cultural right. issues. Like you can go either side, but you're never gonna see a massive enterprise i right. feel like go one way or the other like you'll right. never see like yeah to that point no, no, absolutely i mean so, some brands are deeply staked in social issues and yeah. i think that's fine i just think there's gonna be honest with it right yeah. like it's not it doesn't surprise anyone that ben and jerry's you know we are where they stand on social issues right you know i think you know a company like raytheon you know mm -hmm. probably has some context that you have to consider about kind of their role you know, in, you know, from making household, you know, thermometers, you know, to missile systems, right? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you have to really weigh, you know, what their line of business is and who their consumers are, um, you know, to the actual products and the impact that they make this, you know, to the world, you mm -hmm. know? And I think like that's, that's again, that's in the Edelman report, you know, in just, you know, uncovering um, like what are consumers really looking for? And it's actually, it's different around the world, you know, yeah. but what what is consistent is localized issues, issues that matter, you know, in the, in the, you know, at least at the country level, you know, or at least at the individual level, you know, what's important to them, right? You know, versus, you know, just a, you know, the whims of a CEO proudly, yeah. you know, throwing their weight behind, you know, an organization.
you know, or a social issue. Well, that, that's a good point exactly. too. Exactly. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of immortalize that in the brand? Like, how do you feel about various content teams that you've been a part of, of like documenting that tone and making sure there are the checks and balances within the governance to make sure that you are maintaining that authenticity or what, what yeah. would you do if you were part of a brand that like wasn't, and you're like, kind of want to call them out, like for the company you work for. Yeah. Great, great well, question. I mean, I, I think it's always good to, to have a, a strong voice internally and be able to yeah. you know, speak to that. You know, yeah. for instance, sometimes it comes from a place of just unawareness, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, for instance, you know, if a, if a company, you know, was doing a Black Awareness Month, right, you know, you don't want to have it just just come out by, you know, a bunch, you know, a bunch of old white men, you know, just coming out with, <laughs> you know, Black real. Awareness Month, here it is, February, you know, you know, and like, that's it. And there's no action. There's no representation at the at the organization level. There's no representation, you know, uh, you know, in the community and making a further investment um, and, you know, and, you know, outreach, you know, talent acquisition, yeah. you know, coaching, mentoring, development, all that kind of stuff. Like there's real actions. Like if there's actions behind it, I think it's great. But if it's simply just to have a campaign at the end of the month, you know, it's no different than, you know, hey, you know, this is, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, vanilla ice cream flavor day, you know, and it's 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 here today, gone tomorrow. Right. And and I think like, you know, ultimately for marketing efforts for marketers to improve, they need to make sure their marketing sticks and they leave a memorable impression. And one way you can do that is by being authentic and just living through your values, improving it out and building out sustainable programs and not just thinking about a tweet that you have to put out, you know, by, you know, 2 p.m. today, yeah. you know? Yeah. I also feel like a lot of uh, storytelling isn't utilized enough in campaigns, I feel like for me, you know, and I think, and I would love to get you guys take on this. I hate when a brand actually makes a decision on something that impacts the business and then they pull back when they get audience feedback, for instance, only fans. So what do you guys think about that? Right. So because that is that honest marketing for them, because they we know why we want they wanted to shift their business. Right. There's better advertising dollars is more revenue. It's scalable that way. Right. But they can't alienate a whole bunch of customers who've been making a livelihood from selling, you know, nudity and all that other stuff. So, yeah, what, what, is that honest? Like, what is that in that case? What do you guys think? Go for it, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I you know, it's. I think with any situation, whether it's a person or a corporation, you don't necessarily always know the whole story behind closed doors. Sure. I sure. know the like what my association with the brand is and what I know of them. Maybe there is a different perception like in a different community that I'm not aware of, or maybe there's like a different product. To your point, if it is my perception of like and yours of like OnlyFans yeah. being associated with that then is that tri you're completely shifting the brand and I think yeah, that exactly. is a risk um I think I think there are potentially consequences you are you do have the backlash like if you're not honest with who your brand is and own that like people can change like yeah. I, organizations sure. can change but it, it is a kind of biting the hand that feeds you if you're, you know, kind of, you know, like, uh, 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 abandoning your, 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 your team. I don't know, Joe, what, what do you think? So I looked at the old only fans thing again, purely from an outside perspective. Of course, have, of course. We're all outside. We're no all, yeah, we, have, we have families. Guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, no, but I mean, I, I, I looked at that from the outside in is that they were able to, 
create their own conflict, right? I mean, I, I'm familiar with the yeah. world of merchant gateways and, and how those works from you know, a financial standpoint. And the fact is, you know, payment processors have been around for decades processing mm -hmm. adult content businesses, right? You know, CC Bill being the most prolific one, right? And essentially, like, there's there's no way, legitimately, <laughs> that mm -hmm. OnlyFans was somehow pressured into, you know, you know, canceling, you know, the very thing that made their business, you know, of adult content, right? So what they were able to do is that they created a conflict where they themselves became the hero by the end of the week. And... I'm I'm a little suspicious that I wonder yeah. if that's a, a really spectacular marketing campaign because they were able to cut through the barriers. I mean, they were they were the story was covered on virtually every mainstream yeah. news outlet um, in a way that like you know a rival like Pornhub just can't be covered. You know, exactly. exactly. You know, in, in in mainstream media, it broke through the filter. Now the question is, now here's what their risk is: if they actually do get squeezed by a payment processor next time. Will their creators, will their users be as forgiving and patient to stay on board? Yeah, um, you know, because then they'll say that they've been tricked. And I think this time they get a pass. You know, they did get a lot of media and a lot of coverage out of it. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't ultimately think like this is something they can repeat. Um, no, you know, no. and that. But I think what if it is, if it was legitimate, and again, I didn't read the announcement in detail, but. Mm -hmm they should be able to be more specific, you know, name some names, be specific, what parts of their, you know, visa, you know, network agreement, you know, is in violation, and then put the pressure on having the creators pressure, you know, the payment now, gateways to make a change, talking. rather than the company. Now you're cooking with grease, because all good, all campaigns, even though they got extensive coverage, all good coverage, I mean, all coverage doesn't mean it's good coverage, right? I think the right, bigger problem right. for their business is the fact that content creators started to look internally and say, what do I do? And now right. do I need to migrate these to my own channels, which is going to have a long term effect? Because now I can't if I'm a single mother in, you know, an inner city somewhere with three kids and I'm getting two thousand dollars a week from OnlyFans. Now I'm thinking what the hell I'm going to do and now how do I sustain that long term? And that could be now multiply that by a million users. Right. So like and, and most people can't just open up the Square app, you know, or open up a Stripe account and start taking payments like that. And that and that was yeah. where OnlyFans made that a, a safe and legitimate. Space, right. Exactly. You know, exactly. So and and yeah, so I mean, if, if you know, they need to you know protect that. And that's really what the value they provide, you know, their their network on that. Yeah. And then let's, and I know we're running up on time, guys. I would love to know, because obviously we all know what happened last year. COVID hit, and then we saw a barrage of a, a barrage of ads. Hey, we're all in this together and all that stuff, right? Who who do you think did it really well? And what do you know any brands that might have not, right? How does a brand break through the noise when we're all dealing with the same issue? Like, what, what would have been a good way to attack the market during COVID without saying that? Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. A lot of the ads, um, I, they lived. They lived their course over the course of a month. Like they lived their. They yeah. had their time over the course of a month. For sure. What What eventually, you know, drained me was hearing them for the next ten months right. about how they. <laughs> you know, we thank our workers, thank our people on the front lines, right? Um, you know, we. But there was really no. There was no substance behind it. It was like no. a, it was a branding play, without like. A memorable impact you know how did they help their workers on the front line you know um you know i think about 
you know what makes what makes it memorable you know and i i really i like i'm really drawing a blank i couldn't tell you one specific one other than uh yeah. kroger slash fries locally man they they hammered hammered the ads about you know thanking our workers for being clean and whatever <laughs> but i have to think like for the amount of money they spent on on ad, you know that advertising campaign compared to the amount of money I've given them, you know, it's a grocery chain. Yeah. I just, I'm not sure if it works. I'm not sure if no. it, it sustains itself. I mean, it's, it's, it's advertising for the sake of advertising when, you know, you don't really have a strong message. You know, I think like, you know, there's other ways that you can direct those efforts, right. In a more meaningful exactly. way. I think what I did see on a positive campaign effort that was memorable, not necessarily advertising, but was the company square. Uh, so Square actually really doubled down in terms of, you know, how the value they provide businesses. You know, so they did this whole campaign. It was on their website, and I think it's still there. It was basically about, you know, food truck owners, right? People, mm -hmm. you know, mobile businesses that are truly empowered to be able to, you know, transact safely amid COVID. They they did the storytelling, just as we were saying, right? Yeah. They did. They really doubled down on that. So it wasn't about, you know, 2.9% at a 30 cent, you know, transaction fee. It was really about, hey, we're helping these these entrepreneurs, you know, live the life they want, and exactly. and do so safely and serve their communities and become staples of their community. Um, and I think like that's where storytelling, you know, can actually help a brand, you know, become a lot more uh, direct and honest and be able to yield a longer term result out of it. For sure. you know, the fact is, I, I remembered it. I mean, I, I last yeah. visited that maybe a year ago. Yeah, you, know? you, yeah. you stirred my, my memory of, I remember Toast, which was a point of sale uh, yeah. software service. Mm. And they did a whole like, cause they were brilliant because they created the ability for uh, to make it easier for restaurants that were struggling for people yeah. to buy gift certificates to use later. So it's like not like that was one of the most brilliant because not only were they helping their product and getting more people to use toast, but they're actually helping all of these struggling businesses be yeah. able to sustain longer by actually mm -hmm. getting money in their coffers until they could open up again which yeah. I thought was really well done. I, I, I would have thought a brilliant one, like say the Kroger example, right? Instead of spending a couple million bucks on that advertising, why don't you just craft a story and say, hey, we're spending this million bucks and giving it back to these employees who we're thanking in this damn, in this damn ad, right? We yeah. spent the ad just to show you guys that, hey, we don't care about the market. We want to know that these guys appreciate it. And because of it, we spend an extra 10 million and got everybody a 3% a, a raise or whatever the case may be, right? Same right. thing with Amazon, right? You're saying thank you for our workers, but then they're making 15 bucks, you know, working 12 hour shifts in a spot that's COVID infested, right? <laughs> well, and I think it's, this is an abstract. That's exactly what the brand did. They used these ads to kind of whitewash a real issue exactly. where I think Kroger had, you know, three or four stores in California forget the location exactly but mm -hmm. you know where these employees instead of paying them hazard pay you know for you know a few months um they just basically closed down the stores now there's probably a you know other issues you know yeah. in terms of you know the revenue and maybe the stores are already on the chopping block but yeah. you can't you can't neglect the you know the timing of it of these employees were you know do yeah you know, hazard pay, you know, and instead of that, they closed the stores and they just slammed, you know, a ton of whitewashed, you know, advertising to drown out the the negativity. Um, yeah. And I see through it because you know, we're savvy, you know, marketers, you know, but I think, you know, the public is going to wise up to a lot of that. And and that, that style, you know, you can't reach people 
uh, through broadcast media as much as you could, you know, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I, I personally, I use Spotify and yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the frequent target of those audio ads more than, you know, the local TV stations. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like definitely brands are going to have to diversify and kind of think about different ways that they spend their, their ad dollars. Absolutely. It's, it's so much, it's so much room for creativity. It, it's insane. And the fact that it's not happening in real time is it, just shocking to me, but, but I, I know we're coming up on time guys. And I just want to recap, you know, the conversation for those listening. So three quick ways um, that we could implement honest marketing, tell your unique impact story from the start, right? Have authentic two-way discussions with your customers and remember that your brand has a personality, right? So understand what that is and how you can better connect with your customers to get the desired outcome and avoid the social responsibility trap, right? Do what's right because it's right, not because it sounds good in your ads, right? So those are just three top level things and also something to keep in mind for marketers and sales folks alike, right? Sometimes we look at our customers we don't even look at them as people. We look at them as a means to get to our goals, right? And I know for me as a salesperson, I used to fall into that trap a lot. Like say, for instance, I'm trying to get in touch with you, Joe. I'm not thinking about Joe the person. You're just some name I just took from Zoom info, right? And, yeah. and I'm emailing you and now my messaging is flat. You're like, who the hell is this guy? And then nothing happens because of it, right? So really get to know that person you're trying to communicate with, right? If you really want something from them, you have to understand them. And that goes across from marketing and sales, guys. So keep that top of mind. Do better marketing. Don't be afraid to be creative. Entertain some people. You don't have to be just selling. <laughs> you know, and, and and one one just final point that I'll just t you yeah. know, end with, you know, is essentially it's. I'm not saying marketing campaigns are dead. You know, no, in, no. in any fantastic marketing campaign, just like you said, it's a two way street. You know, people want to participate in relevant marketing that engages yes. them. So yes. give them something that they want. Engage them. Be honest about it. Don't deceive. You know, but. The half-assed ones won't won't deliver the results that you expect, Boom. right? You know, you have to you have to make sure it's all it's, it's authentic, and you have to be all in about it, and and you can't you can't just fake it, fake it till you make it doesn't scale. Doesn't scale. There you go. That's <laughs> put that on a moment. t shirt, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to end off, man. But Joe, yeah. we enjoy I we both enjoyed this conversation, man. I could keep Absolutely. going, but I want to keep you longer, brother. But just want to say thank you for taking time out your day. It was a pleasure, man. We're certainly rooting for you. You have an invitation anytime you want, man, <laughs> to come awesome. back on. And uh anything you need from us, you know we got you, brother. But thank you for everybody watching and and Joe, I would let you know you like about to say something. Oh, no. Excellent. I really appreciate, uh, you know, both you and Garrett, you know, and making this a very warm uh, experience here. So I definitely look forward to it. <laughs> glad, glad you enjoyed, brother. Thank I, you for I'll everybody watching. I'll Jerry's and ice cream, and ice cream in uh, Arizona next time I'm out there, okay? Yeah, uh, I got you. <laughs> I'll make sure I, I got you covered. <laughs> but always a pleasure, man. Thank you again for everybody watching. Joe, pleasure again, man. And we see you guys next week for Rankable. Um, I forgot who we have as the guest. I'll tell you guys when you see the ads on LinkedIn. <laughs> Congrats on 50, dude. Episode yes. 50. That's awesome. Episode yeah. 50, man. 50 weeks has been crazy, man. We, I'd, I'd have never thought we'd have got to 50. I'd have never thought we'd have cool people like yourself, Joe. Yeah. And Congrats. people we've spoken to, man, it's, it's been unreal. So. Feel free to connect with Garrett, connect with Joe, connect with myself, man. We're cool people. We're open, always willing to help. And, you know, we see you guys next week for another good one, man. <laughs> All right. <excellent. laughs> Take care, guys. Take yeah. care, guys. All right. Bye.